Thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. Um, picking up uh, on the theme last week that we started with our 40s coming up. Um, you know, we wanted to look at the, the early church, that first church that was um, birthed on the day of Pentecost by the, the Spirit of Jesus. And, you know, if you're not a follower of Jesus today, this kind of whole series is a window into what Jesus followers should be. None of us are exactly where we want to be or, or where we should be, but this is our aspiration as well. And uh, we're also talking about when does life begin? Uh, you know, when does real life begin? And life begins last week, we said, when we live deeply in relationship. But when you live deeply in relationship, then I think you, you move into, into almost living atypically. In other words, not typical. You see, the typical way that people live in our world it is it, typically we live all about ourselves. Okay? And so we live for myself. And so I want to protect myself and I want to invest in myself and I want to look after myself and those that I love, my family and my friends. But actually, when you look at the early church, yes, they did that, but they looked out beyond themselves. They looked out to others as well. And we'll go back to the scripture that we looked at last week from Acts chapter 2. If we can turn back there, Josh, please. Uh, And it says this in Acts 2.42, Every believer was faithfully devoted to following the teachings of the apostles. Their hearts were mutually linked to one another. We'll come back to that later. Sharing communion and coming together regularly for prayer. A deep sense of holy awe swept over everyone. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. All the believers were in fellowship as one body and they shared with one another whatever they had. That's not typical. That's not typical. Out of generosity, they even sold their assets to distribute the proceeds to those who were in need among them. That's not typical. So what they're doing is the Bible says that this first group of believers that loved Jesus, that they were mutually linked with each other. So they lived deeply in relationship with each other. But then they weren't just about themselves. They weren't just a little club. You know, they didn't just gather together and say, this is great, you know, let's just gather together and sing Kumbaya for the next 2,000 years and everything will be great. No, they look beyond themselves and they look out beyond their walls. And what I want to say is, is a life that looks beyond yourself is an atypical life. It's actually a life of generosity. And I love this word generosity. It's one of our key goals, our key values as a church. We want to be missionally. We want to be authentic. We want to be relational. And we want to be generous. And the generous life, I want to suggest, is the only life really worth living. And I want to prove that case hopefully for you today. You see, joy doesn't come from filling your life with stuff. That's typical. But from giving your life away, which is atypical. Generosity is more than money, but what if money could buy us happiness, but not in the way we think? You see, the research is out on this, that when you are generous with your money, you are a happier person. When you are generous with your money and your stuff, generally you are a healthier person. You see, here's the thing. I have never, ever met an angry and bitter, generous person. Never met anyone. People who are generous are generally happier and healthier. It's just kind of a a weird kind of quirky thing. In fact, the word miser is where we get the word miserable from. 
And, and, and so when we hold on to stuff, when we hold on to things, when we don't share and give, actually we become miserable. It's not how God intended us to be. And you may not follow Jesus today. You may not believe in Jesus. But I want to say, if you are a more generous person, it will, not, only will you have a, well, not only will you be better at life, but you'll have a better life. Because we are happier and healthier when we are looking beyond ourselves. So what is generosity? The dictionary defines it as a readiness to give more than is strictly necessary, expected or usual. So when we're generous, we give more than what is typical. Now, generosity is more than money. I want to give you seven marks of generosity this morning. Here they are on the slide. We can be generous with our thoughts. I don't know about you, but when I look at social media right now, I don't think there's very many generous people in terms of their thoughts. You know, when you meet someone, do you expect the best or do you assume the worst? We can be generous with our thoughts. We can be generous with our words. Again, social media. Why don't we, here's something challenging. Why don't we tweet others as we would wish to be tweeted? You can write that down. Doesn't that quote, doesn't that tweet right there? Why don't we tweet others as we wish we could be tweeted. <laughs> it's like a Jonathan Ross saying treated, isn't it? But, but generous with our words. Generous with our words. You, you, know, you know, we have words. We have that capacity. It's not all about money. What about with our time? Oh, that's one of the greatest things. You know, we live in a culture that is, is, is we say we're cash rich and time poor. You know, one of the things that is most generous is when you give your time. You, you know, maybe time to somebody that you meet, time with someone that you walk past, time with your family, time with your friends, time with your neighbours. You know, how many of us are so busy and so running around, and I know I'm one of these as well, that, that maybe we just stop and say, hey, it's not all about me, and, and I want to be generous with my time. Which is why next Saturday morning is such a great opportunity. I know Saturdays are precious. They're really precious for me. Weekends are really busy for us. We see our youngest son, Simeon, who's in residential care every Saturday afternoon. So Saturday mornings are really precious for us. That's a time, but I want to be generous. And so next Saturday, we get the chance to go out onto the streets of Halzoen and Rowley and Hagley and bless other people and just encourage them, hopefully. And, and, and like our brother was saying here, um, you know, just look out beyond our walls to other people. But you know, every other Saturday... There's a group of people in this church that give their Saturday morning every other week to a group of people every single other week. I mean, it's amazing. There's a thing called open house at the back here and, and people from the estate here who they look forward to it and they come and the guys give them a meal. For some of them, it's the best meal of their week and, and they give them time and they give them attention and some of them are meeting Jesus as well, which is amazing. Last Saturday was the record attendance. There were 75 people that came for that open house. People are longing for community. People are longing for space. But you know, hats off. I am so honoured and proud to say there's a bunch of you guys that give your time every other week to do that. Thank you so much. Time is an incredibly um, important thing. What about influence? We can use our influence. We can be generous with our influence. You know, can we open the door for others? You're a musician this morning, if you are. Could you use the skill you've got and open the door to someone who's just learning to play? You know, you, 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 you've got experience in something. I love it that in our, in our youth on uh, midweek on cruise, sometimes we, we, we run a, um, a crew called Revision Crew. And some of you guys who are teachers, who are teaching all the time, you're generous with your time because you come in to that Wednesday night and you use the influence you've got and you help those guys with their revision. That's generosity. 
using your time and using your influence. What about attention? Oh, this is a killer, isn't it? You know, yeah. and when you're like that, you are not giving someone your attention who's in the room. And I know that's a huge challenge for me as well. For all of us, giving our attention is so important. I once read this quote recently, attention is the rarest form of generosity. The rarest form. And then with our stuff, you know, a child, their first four letter word, okay, is often the word mine. They kind of just learn it, it's mine. But an adult's four letter word should be the word give. I wonder how many of us adults are still actually children because everything we have, we think it's mine. It's my time, it's my money, it's my stuff. No, it's not. It's his if you're a follower of Jesus and we are there to give. And what about money? We struggle to talk about this in our culture and at times even in our church. One beautiful Sunday morning, the pastor said to his church, my friends, today I have in my hand three sermons. A 100 pound sermon that lasts five minutes, a 50 pound sermon that lasts 15 minutes and a 10 pound sermon that lasts a full hour. Now we'll take the offering and see which one I'll give you. And we struggle even to talk about the issue of money in the context of, of church. And yet Jesus talks about it more than he talks about anything else at all. And he talks about it because he knows how closely it is linked to our heart and to our heart devotion. So let's look at some principles from the early church. Principle number one, it's not mine, it's his. That's how they lived. In Acts 2, it says they, they gave to everyone as, as they had need. Why? Because for them, the principle was everything I have, my time, my words, my stuff, my money, my thoughts, everything belongs to God. And if I'm a follower of Jesus, it's not mine, it's his. I'm not an owner, I'm a steward. Principle number two, it's not later, it's now. So in the next chapter, in Acts chapter 3, Peter and John are heading up to the temple uh, and they pass this lame man and we'll read from the, from the scripture what it says in Acts 3. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And then the scripture goes on to say that, that as they lifted him up, God healed him. Jesus healed him. Now here's the interesting thing. The lame man asked for money. They didn't have any money. It's very easy to say, oh, I'd love to be generous with you, but I don't have that. But they didn't do that. They said, hey, I might not have that, but what I do have I'm going to give you. You see, generosity isn't about what you have, it's about what you do with what you have. And some of the most generous people that I've ever met aren't the people who have a lot, they're just the people who are generous with what they have. So, so important. So, when we're trying to live atypical lives, there are some typical filters and barriers that we have to overcome in our mind. And I wonder how many of you have ever thought like this. They'll waste it. They don't deserve it. They won't appreciate it. It isn't a good time for me right now. If I was to do that, that would be uncomfortable for me right now. They don't really need it. But you know, when you stop, guys, and when you're generous with your time, with your attention, with your influence, with your words, with your stuff, with your money. Not only, not only do you bring something of Jesus, do you bring something of life to the other person, but you actually go away feeling better yourself. It's just an amazing thing how it works. 
We, I think me and my wife, we learned this early in our marriage, uh, this a whole principle here. And, uh, and we, we hadn't been um, married too long and I was working for a Christian organisation, earning very little money. Alison was uh, trained as a nurse. And um, so we didn't have a lot of money, but we've always given, we've always tithed 10% of our income. We've always given to God through the local church. That's just something we've always done. Um, but then the rest of the money, paying the bills and all that, that all still belongs to God. And so we've always had this view that actually if God speaks to us and we want to give some money away on top of what we give to God through the church, then we'll do that. And on one occasion, I remember God speaking to us and, and we felt we should give £100 to somebody. And for us, that was a lot of money back then with the money that we had. Anyway, we gave the gift. Um, and then a few weeks later, we were leading a Christian holiday. Um, and at the end of the holiday, a couple who we still connect with now, they came to us at the end of the holiday and they said, hey, we really enjoy what you brought. We'd love to give you a gift. And so they gave us a, they gave us a check. Does anyone remember what a check is? Some young people have not got a clue what a check is. Go and ask your parents. They will tell you about checks. They will, they will write you one. No, they won't. They will give you one. And basically they gave us a check and I looked briefly at it when they turned their back and it looked to me like it was £100. I thought, that's amazing. We gave £100, but then God has blessed us and given us £100 back. When I looked again, it was £1,000. They had given 10 times what we gave. And can I just say, before you all go and write a cheque for £100 and hope that you're going to get £1,000 back, that's not the point. And it's never happened since. But the principle God sealed in our hearts then was money is not a reservoir, it's a river. It should always keep flowing. And so ever since then, we've, we've operated like that. And, and even, in fact, last month, a few weeks ago, um, I went back from church and, and God had put somebody on my heart to say that we should bless them financially. And, and as I began to have that conversation with Alison, she said the same person. And so we were like, that's so cool. And so we were able to do that. And, and, and what I want to say is that when we start to do that, not just with money, but with other things, we start to live atypically. Because we don't just think about, oh, what could I do with that? We think, hey, what could I do with that? Not what could I do with that here, but what could I do with that there? And, and I want to encourage you. You know, when you look at the money that you spend, when you look at the time that you give, how much of it is given for others and how much of it do we take for ourselves? The generous life is the only life worth living. In, in the last 15 minutes that I've got, I want to take you on a little case study and I want to look at one of the early church leaders, not one of the famous ones, but one of the background characters. But to me, he is an absolute hero. And Jeff Lucas, who came here a few months ago, good friend of ours, he wrote an incredible book um, called There Are No Ordinary People about the character of this book. So if you've ever won a book to read, read There Are No Ordinary People. A few of the thoughts are taken out of that book. But this is the guy called Barnabas and we'll look at him uh, in the scriptures together. Thank you. Acts chapter 4. For instance, there was Joseph, the one the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He was from the tribe of Levi and came from the island of Cyprus. He sold a field he owned and brought the money to the apostles. That's mind-blowing, isn't it? It's like he sold the field he owned, but he realised that he didn't really own it. Because actually he was looking after it for the real owner, which was God. And so he sold it and he brought it to the apostles and said, hey, use this for the kingdom of God. Use this for other people. Barnabas was an incredible character. William Barclay, who's a commentator, he said Barnabas had the biggest, he had the biggest heart in the early church. And these guys, they looked at his life and they nicknamed him the encourager. Wouldn't that be a great nickname for you, wouldn't it? Wouldn't you love that as a nickname? 
the encourager. You know, a mark of a generous life is encouragement. What would, what would it look like if we as a group of people were the most encouraging people around? Hey, what would your school look like tomorrow if in your class at college or school that you were the encourager? How would you, your teacher maybe react and respond if you guys went in tomorrow and encouraged them in what they did? They may pass out, but hey, give it a try. What would it look like in your workplace if you were the encourager? What would it look like in your, in your family? What would it look like in your community if you were the encourager? Mark Twain said, one compliment can keep me going for a whole month. <laughs> a guy called John Maxwell, a leadership writer, said, people go faster than they thought they could when someone else thinks they can. People go faster than they thought they could when someone else thinks they can. And this was Barnabas. He was an incredible, incredible character. But he's generous not only with his encouragement, uh, but he's generous with his stuff and his money as well. And you know, you see, profound conversion of the heart always produces generosity. And when you're not generous with money, it is an indicator of where your heart with Jesus is. And when Christians say to me, it's not about the money, let me tell you, it is always about the money. And especially when we say it's not about the money. And actually, the thing that I think it's about is not just the money, it's about trust to do with the money. Because ultimately, faith and trust is when we recognise that the stuff doesn't belong to us, it belongs to God. And we can release it knowing that we can trust Him for provision. And one of the challenges why we don't sometimes, or why we are not more generous with our time, why we are not more generous with our thoughts, why we are not more generous with our stuff, is that we don't fully trust that Jesus has it covered. If we trusted God, maybe we could release more. You know, as a, as a church, I, I, I love it. I love that we have a group of people, men and women, in this church called the elders. All right, they're not like all Yoda type characters that sit around. Mm. You know, they're, they're, they're men and women who love God and who lead this church really. And you don't see them often; they're the background people. But when we sat a few weeks ago looking at the budget, and I just love the fact that they said, "Hey, oh yeah, we've got a challenge here, but but we're going to trust God." Yeah, 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 we're going to think carefully and strategically and, and be wise and all of that. But you know what? We're going to trust God. We're going to, we're going to fall into his arms. You know, we're going to trust God. I think that's a key to generosity. It's an issue of trust. Do you trust God enough with your stuff to release it into his hands? Do you trust God enough to release your life into his hands? Generosity, it's so important. Now, typically, this is how typical people handle their finances, Okay. This is how typically everybody else will handle their money. They live on what they get first, okay? So priority is me, all right? So I'm going to pay my mortgage, pay my bills. Netflix, absolutely, has to happen. Now TV, has to happen. Amazon Prime, has to happen. An essential, cannot live life without it. So, so we spend all that money first. If we've got any money left over, then we save a bit. Rainy day and all of that. If we have anything left over than that, then we may give it. That's typical, that's average, that's usual, that's normal. That's not what the early church were like. This is how atypical people, they give first. They give first because it all belongs to God anyway and because they want to say to him and to everyone else and to themselves, he's first, so we give first. And then we save and then we live on what is left. And I realise this is so challenging, but it's so atypical, it's so countercultural. but it's the only way. It's the only way to really live as Jesus wants us to live. 
You know, in the time of Barnabas in the early church, there was a principle. The Latin word is liberal itis. And it's literally this principle that you only gave to people who could give you back. So you gave, you said, I'll scratch your back because I know that you'll scratch mine. I'll give to you because sometime down the track, you'll have something to give to me. But the early church came along and they were atypical. They didn't practice liberalitis. They just gave to people who could never, ever give them back. A guy called Andy Stanley, pastor of North Point Church in America, he said this. I love this quote. The hallmark of Christians in the first century, listen, was not their wealth, they had none. It was not their theology either. Their beliefs were so odd, religious people couldn't understand them. What gave them leverage was their inexplicable compassion and generosity. They had little, but they gave. They received little compassion, but they were willing to extend what they had to other people. They were impossible to ignore. Isn't that amazing? Could we become impossible to ignore by the way that we live? So, so, so that people actually say, do you know what? I don't know what it is with you, but there's something different about you. Just like the way you think, the way you speak, the way you give, the way you stretch out. You're so generous. Why? You become impossible then to ignore, which is so important. Um, Alison, my wife, was, uh, she's um, on sabbatical from work at the moment. She's writing up her PhD. She's the brainy one uh, in the partnership. And uh, she, she's often writing it in coffee shops. And um, she's in this certain coffee shop. It was a brand name coffee shop, but I won't tell you what it is. And other brands are equally valid, okay? But she was in this, this um, uh, coffee shop, and he said it then. And, uh, and uh, uh, she's been in many times working. And, and one of the staff came along and said, hey, could I give you a free refill? Alison said, whoa, that's never happened to me before. And they had a conversation. And they said, oh, yeah, no, no that, that's, that's a principle for us. We're allowed to surprise and delight people. That's the phrase. We're allowed to surprise and delight people. To which Alison wanted to say, well, I've been coming here every week for three months and you've never done it yet. <laughs> but she didn't say that because that wouldn't have been generous. But actually in that moment, she just came out and she told me about that. And I thought, what would that look like if as followers of Jesus, we went out every single day of our life and said, and I, hey, our Saviour has, has said to us, you are allowed, you are encouraged to go out and surprise and delight people. What would that look like? I've started to take it up this kind of habit and practice of whenever I'm in a restaurant or in a, in a shop, rather than just telling the person what I want or do you know what I mean? Actually having a conversation with them about their life and about their day and, only, and getting very strange looks sometimes. But I've had some incredible conversations with people in the last few months. Because you're just trying to pause and give them some attention and be generous and maybe try and help surprise and delight some people along the way. Let's go back to the Bible. Acts chapter 9. When he came to Jerusalem, this is Saul, the guy who was the Pharisee, the religious ruler, who hated Christians, who killed Christians, who on the road to Damascus uh, had an encounter with Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, and gave his life to Jesus. But when he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him not believing that he was really a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. This is the hinge moment on the door of history. What will the early church do with this guy who hated them, who is now saying that he wants to join them? Nobody gave him generosity but Barnabas. 
Barnabas was the one that said, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll put myself at risk. I'll go and meet this guy and I'll introduce him to you. That is so important. And that meant that he didn't only give him his time and his attention, but it meant he listened to his story as well. Can I just say to you guys, this is so important at the back. If anyone is still listening, <laughs> listening is incredibly important in our culture. We don't listen enough to one another. Listening is a form of generosity. And it's like, life is like a table tennis match. I heard this recently. If you're holding the ball all the time, you're not really playing. And here's the thing, that when we hold the ball all the time, it's all about us. And it's all about, let me tell you about me. And let me talk to you more about me. And we're not playing. But when we listen, and when we ask questions, we release the ball and we begin to engage. And so, so here's something I want to encourage you to do. The next time you ask someone a question, hopefully you do ask them a question, ask them another question after. So listen, so the first question might be, how's your day? How's things going? How's your family? The next question could be, that's interesting, tell me more. So what I love you to do this morning is to turn to the person next to you and practice saying that, okay? So just say, that's interesting, tell me more. Fantastic. You haven't got any more time to listen, all right, because I've got to carry on and talk at you. <laughs> so I'm taking the ball back now. <laughs> let, look, look at this quote here. Ne next one, please, Josh. Nothing hurts more than the sense that people close to us aren't really listening to what we have to say. We never outgrow the need to communicate what it feels like to live in our separate private worlds of experience. That's why a sympathetic ear is such a powerful force in human relationships and why the failure to be heard and understood is so powerful. You know, in Japan, young Japanese church planters are going out onto the streets in Tokyo and other huge cities and they're setting up tables and they're called listening tables. And they sit behind the tables and they just wait there for people to come and sit down so that these guys and girls can just listen to them. And that's their strategy for planting churches and for reaching people who don't know Jesus. Because they recognise that we live in a world right now which has never been more connected and never more isolated. Guys, if we're going to be generous, let's listen to each other. One more thing. One more thing from the life of Barnabas. Another passage of Scripture. When the church at Jerusalem, Acts 11, heard what had happened, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. Now basically what happened was that Antioch was the church where, um, uh, where Gentiles, non-Jewish people were following Jesus. And, and this, this upset the Jewish leaders of the church. They didn't know what to make of it. It was a new church. It was, it was different. And so, so they sent Barnabas. When he arrived and saw the evidence of God's blessing, he was filled with joy and encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and strong in faith. This is generosity because when he pitches up, the typical response would have been, we don't do it that way in Jerusalem. The music's too loud. Not quite sure what you're doing with that. This isn't how we've been doing it for the last few years. But he's not like that because his heart is generous. And he comes and he sees the evidence of the grace of God. And he gives them the benefit of the doubt. And he says, do you know what? God is at work. So yes, there are things to work on. And yes, there are challenges. But I'm going to be generous with my thoughts and generous with my heart and generous with my words and he encourages them to remain true to the Lord. Guys, listen. We want to be this kind of church, don't we? 
where we see the evidence of the grace of God and where we say, I'm going to put aside my preferences and my likes and my issues and I'm going to say, I want to be about you and about what God is doing in you and through you, which is so, so important. So, how do we apply this? I want to take you back to the five characters that we looked at last week. Maybe you're curious, Chris, today. Maybe that means that you're not yet a follower of Jesus and you're just curious about this whole thing. Listen, you could take a step today. Just start being more generous and you will see what Jesus does in your life. Maybe you're a new Nikki. In other words, you're a new believer. Can I say, don't wait years before you start being generous. And I know financially, it's a challenge for you to start giving financially. In the connection point, we have loads of information, some leaflets, some stuff that can help you doing that. Maybe your, your, you know, your partner, your husband, your wife, they're not yet a follower of Jesus. So for you to start giving financially, that's difficult. I understand that. And maybe 10% is a massive leap for you. But maybe you could start. Maybe you could start. Don't wait until you've been a Christian for years before you start living in a way that Jesus says is the best way for you to live. Maybe you're stuck, Stan. Maybe you're stuck in your relationship with Jesus right now and you're stuck in your faith. Listen, one of the best ways to get you out of being stuck is to start being generous. Because when you get stuck, everything becomes about you. And you say, well, if only people understood me, if only people could come and reach to me, if only people could come and see where I am. But maybe the way you get unstuck is by looking out beyond yourself. And so as we reach out beyond our walls, Maybe you're veteran Vicky and you've been following Jesus for years and you've been faithful. Again, think about all the experience that you've got now. Are you being generous with that? Or maybe you're happy Henry and life's great and it's, you're all fine. Listen, you can be even happier and healthier if you live the generous life. We want to give you two practical things and I'll ask the band if they could come back up. The first thing is this. In um, a few days time, it's not 40 days, it's the end of the 40 days. October the 20th, when we celebrate our 40th anniversary, we're going to launch something new in this church and we're simply calling it Life Central Global. It's an entity that we're going to put leaders around and we set up our bank account for it and we want to invest financially in Life Central Global. This will enable us to reach out way beyond our walls. I want to say to you, I want to you guys have already been so generous giving over the years. I want to invite you to think and pray over the next few weeks about absolutely blessing people and Jesus just crazily. We want to give loads of money so that we can invest in our church in Albania, so that we can invest in our partner projects that we're establishing around the world. You know, in India, we're sending a team out to India next year. We're establishing that partnership. Uh, I was in Cambodia in March and uh, we'd been asked if we would be a partner of an incredible project which I spent a day in called Be Free where they literally take girls and guys off rubbish dumps, out of sex, the sex trade, out of trafficking, give them home, give them help, give them education. I met a girl, she just blew my mind away. She was gang raped uh, as a young girl, uh, had a child as a result of that, left on a rubbish dump to die, hated men, came into the project, has met Jesus, is beautiful on the inside and the outside and is now leading part of the project. And, and so what this is going to do is it's going to enable us to do some of this incredible stuff, which is not about us. It's beyond our walls. So that's coming up. So begin to think and pray about how could you be involved in that. But secondly, every single day of your life is an opportunity to be generous. 
And so tomorrow, as you head into school or college or uni or in your workplace or community or family or wherever you are, could you say, hey, today, Jesus, I want to be open to reach beyond my walls and to be generous. And maybe that is about your thoughts or your words or your attention. Maybe you could give someone time that you don't normally give. Maybe there's someone in your class, guys, that nobody else talks to. They're not the cool kid. Maybe you could go over and you could sit next to the not the cool kid. That's a cool thing to do. And you can be generous. And guys, this is a challenge for every single one of us. But here's the thing. You can love generously if you have been generously loved. And I know that for many of us here in this room or those watching or listening, you know, maybe you, you, you weren't generously loved as a child. Maybe your family of origin is such that, that, that you don't know what generosity loves, looks like. And my heart goes out to you. I mean, I, I, I'm blessed so much. A pastor was talking about being a third generation Christian. I'm a second generation Christian in my home. My mom and dad um, brought me up to love Jesus and they modeled for me an exemplary life of generosity. And I remember at my dad's funeral 10 years ago, I always thought dad was generous, but at his funeral, many people came up to me and told me stories of his generosity that I never knew. I always wanted to be like my dad. But on that day, I thought I want to be like my dad even more now. I didn't even know that about him. And I've had that experience. Many of you haven't. And my heart goes out to you for that. But hey, here's the thing. Whether you have or not in the natural, we all have in the spiritual. Because when we've been generously loved by our Father, then we can love and give generously to others. And so I want to invite you to stand with me as we finish. Can we stand? And I want to ask you, and I know time is against us, but just in these last few minutes, we're going to sing in a moment. I want to ask you to... to just ignore everybody else for a moment just to close your eyes for a sec guys and then I'm going to ask you to do something which might seem a little bit weird for some of you you don't have to be a Christian to do this okay this is fine just stretch out your hands in front of you and open the palms of your hands it's it's almost like you're saying hey I don't want to hold on to the ping pong ball any longer it's not about me and I want to encourage you and I want to invite you to respond to him today and say Jesus Would you love me? Would you fill me with your grace again? God, would you empower me to live a generous life? I can love generously when I am being loved generously. And we are so generously loved by Him. The God who would would light up the, the shadow, who would climb up the mountain, who would kick down the wall, who would tear down the lie, the one who would leave the 99 for us. That's the one who generously loves us. So now, Lord, we can live generous lives. And so, God, we want to stretch out our hands to you. And we want to say, Jesus, if we're holding on to our money, thinking it's our money, Lord, we want to trust you and start releasing it. If we're holding on to our time, thinking it's our time and it's so precious because it's my time, we want to give it to you. Jesus, help us to be generous people, generously loved, generously loving for the sake of your honour, your glory and your kingdom. In Jesus' name, Amen.